we're starting a new series uh, entitled Flight Plan. And, and I, I will tell you this, that I, my, I initially, my plan was uh, to talk to you about my favorite character in the Bible, Nehemiah. But as I, as I began to, to, to really pray in earnest specifically about this Sunday, and especially with, with what's happening in the world around us, I felt very strongly God uh, shift my, my message. And, and I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that God has a word for you this morning. So I want, I want to challenge you to lean into what God has for you. Because I believe this. I believe that we could find ourselves at a truly epic moment. The prophet Isaiah, he made this prophetic utterance in Isaiah chapter 40. It's a familiar portion of scripture. He said, you know, we, we all find times of fatigue. We all find times of struggle. Even, even youth grow weary. They stumble and fall. But, but those that wait on the Lord, they that wait upon the Lord, will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Friends, God wants you not simply to survive. He's not called you simply to survive. Life is not meant to be endured. Life is meant to be enjoyed. That's what Jesus said. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. And life is meant to be enjoyed. God wants you to soar. He wants you to fly as wings on wings of eagles. How does that happen? They that wait upon the Lord. That, that word there, they that wait, it doesn't mean to pause. It doesn't mean to go, okay, God, waiting for you to do something. It's not sitting in the waiting room when you're waiting for a doctor. That word there, the Hebrew word there, it means to be bound together with, to be connected to, to say, God, your design, how you do it, when you do it, why you do it, I'm good with all of it. So those who are devoted to God's plan and his timetable will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's God's heart for you. That's, that's God's plan for you. That you live and, and, and that you soar. We are talking about this new series called Flight Plan. So let me talk to you a little bit about flight. In just a couple of hours, Jody and I will have to get on a plane and, and fly to Missouri. And, and there, there, are, there are four elements to flight uh, that will determine whether or not we get off the ground. The first is gravity. Gravity. Gravity will keep that plane on the ground. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the weight of the plane and it's the gravitational pull that pulls that thing down. It's just the, 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 that part of nature, right? We all understand gravity, correct? Okay? Do this. If you've, got, if, you've got a, if you've got a pen with you, just take that pen, hold it up, drop it in your hand. Okay? It didn't float up in the air. You know why? Gravity. So thank you, Schoolhouse Rock. And uh, so we all, you're right, we all have this understanding of, of gravity. And so gravity, are, it's, the, it's, those, it's those natural things. And when we, when we look at the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, here's what it tells us. Notice this, it says, now by chance a certain priest came down the road and when he saw this man that had been beaten on the Jericho road, as he, as he saw this man laying there 
it tells us that he saw the man, but he, he passed by on the other side. And, and it's easy to understand that. It's easy to appreciate why the priest would do that. Why, why would the priest go to the other side? Why didn't he stop? Well, there are some natural reasons for him to not stop. First of all, he's a priest. A man laying there bloodied on the side of the road, he's unclean. And so his, his, his religious training, everything about his culture says don't stop. And we have these, we have these, these, these natural parts of who we are. This, this element of our very nature that keeps us from being who God has called us to be and doing what God has called us to do. Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 7. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. We are, by nature, sinners. We're born into sin. And, and this, this sinful nature, is a, it, has a, it has a pull to it, right? It has a gravitational pull to it. Paul writes one chapter later, he says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with their spirit have the mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. So, so I, have, I have these element, uh, elements of life, this, this, this natural part that keeps me from being who God has called me to be. I am by nature selfish. Anybody else here selfish? Yeah, I appreciate the fact that, that about a third of you are honest. The rest of you, you were too concerned about your image because of your selfish disposition that you were unwilling to raise your hand. But you ever notice that what, what's one of the first words that children learn? What's the, what is the first word that most children learn? No, <laughs> right? No. Because they hear their parents say it over and over and over again. But what comes pretty close behind that? I know most of the moms will say, Mom, no. Mine, 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 right? All the parents, we've all experienced that, correct? No, listen, Billy, you have to share. Mine. The, uh, I can't tell you as a pastor how many times uh, I've had to step into a situation where uh, a child in the church nursery has bit another child <laughs> over, a, over a toy that didn't belong to them, <laughs> right? A kid, brings, a kid comes and brings a toy into the nursery. Kid number two bites them and takes the toy from them and then says, mine. They weren't taught that at home. At least I hope, please tell me you don't teach your children that at home. You, you don't. Okay, good. So they're not taught that at home, right? It's natural. There is this, 
There is this element that's natural. Do you want to know what's part of our nature? Part of our nature is to feel uncomfortable with that which is different. When you don't look like me, when you don't talk like me, when you don't act like me, it's uncomfortable to me. And in that fear, fear causes me to act out in a certain way, and it's going to cause you to act out in a certain way. And it's part of the corrupted, sinful nature that's within me, because it's not part of God's design. It's not, God, it's not part of God's plan. God's design, God's plan, is that brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. For God so loved everyone, right? We learn this, we learn this in the sandbox at Sunday school. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. So we know that that's part of God's design, and yet my human nature, my carnal nature, I'm both selfish and I'm uncomfortable with that which is different from my perception. And so I have this gravitational pull that keeps me down. And there's not just gravitational pull that will keep us from taking flight. There's also drag. Drag. You know what drag is? It's, it's the parts of the, on, a, on an airplane, it's the part of the plane that catches the wind and keeps the plane from going forward. And it, listen, here's what's fascinating. It doesn't matter how good... It doesn't matter how good Lockheed Martin builds a plane, right? As, 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 as Robert, as, as, as good as they make it, as aerodynamic as they make it, it's still going to have drag. Here's what I will tell you. As much as I deal with the issues in my life that keep me from connecting to you on a healthy basis, as much as I deal with the, 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 the part of my nature that would, that would cause me to devalue you and, and treat you poorly, as much as I deal with that, there's still part of the fabric of who I am that I have to, I have to die, even, even though if any man be in Christ, if any woman, if any person be in Christ, they're a new creation, I still have to die to my flesh daily. Because I'm a human being. In fact, I'll say this. It's super easy. It's super easy for me to be prejudiced. If, I, if, I'm, not in, if I'm not intentional about pushing back against it, it just... It just seeps in. We, we, get, we, get, we get caught up in this stuff. It's the reason why the writer of Hebrews says this. Therefore, since you've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that entangles us and the sin that so easily ensnares us. The writer of Hebrews, when, when, when this when this. Uh, epistle is written, it's written to believers. It's not written to unbelievers, right? And we have those things that entangle us and the sin that ensnares us. 
It's the part of, it's the part of doing life that, that sucks us in. And it can come in all kinds of different fashions. Paul writes this in Galatians 5. He says, you were running a good race. What happened? You got caught up in this. You got, you got caught up in that. And so, yes, there are the, there are the cultures, tra- cultures, traditions, just the, the, the nuances of nature that will, that will keep us down, that will hold us down. And then there's the, the, acti- the activities and the attitude of me personally that will keep me from being all that God has called me to, to be and keep me from, from accomplishing all that God's called me to accomplish and keep me from being the witness that God's called me to be. Friends, if, if we're going to reach the heights that God has called us to reach, we have to honestly acknowledge the gravitational pull, human nature. We also, we have to recognize the drag, the things in me, as much as I want to think I'm as spiritually aerodynamic as they come, I have to acknowledge the things in me that actually serve as resistance to me going forward. When I... When I get on that plane this afternoon, the pilot will, he will navigate the plane away from the jet bridge and across the tarmac, and then he'll get to the place where he's, he's at the end of the runway. And at the right moment, he's gonna, he's gonna push those, that handle down, he's gonna push that throttle down. And that plane's gonna experience significant thrust, right? The vast majority of us in the room today, we've been on an airplane, you've experienced that. That moment when, okay, this plane is moving forward, thrust. In life, we'll have these moments when we experience thrust. In, in Luke chapter 10, and Jesus is telling this story, the priest passed by. The Levite passes by, and then a certain Samaritan passes by. And he is moved with compassion. The compassion in that moment, it propels him to do something. There's activity happening all across the nation, and to a certain degree, even around the world today. that are a result of the killing of George Floyd, the killing of Breonna Taylor, and and, and the representative they are of of the injustice that's been done to so many others. But, But what transpired in Minneapolis, it served in essence as that throttle being pushed down. And though, though the emotions and the thoughts might be different for the hundreds of thousands who said, I can no longer stay on the sidelines. I have to engage. It was, 
It was a situation where they found themselves being thrust into the moment. That's what happens in Luke chapter 10. The Samaritan. For him, it's, it's not about reputation. It's not about, it's, he, he's thrust into that moment. Compassion, he, he, he cannot simply do nothing. He, he has to respond. And we've all been in that moment in our lives in certain situations where, where something has taken place and, and we, we have to respond. Paul said this. He says, the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ propels us. It, it, it thrusts us. And make no mistake, When, when you say yes to Jesus, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit begins to deal with those issues of gravitational pull. Those who are led by the flesh live according to the flesh. But Romans chapter 8 says this, those that live by the Spirit... that they'll experience a very different reality, a very different scenario. And God gives us, he gives us the energy for the moment. And we respond to it. But let me offer you this. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make this qualifying statement. I thought long and hard about our time together today, and I thought long and hard about what I, what I could say, what I should say, and what I have to say. And something I learned a long time ago if you're a leader, you don't get to choose whether or not you make people mad. You just get to choose who you make mad. Right? And there are some of you today, before you ever walked in, it was, it was, it was predetermined that, 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 uh, that you were going to be offended. And uh, I would just, here's what I would tell you. That if you're offended today, make sure you spend some time at an altar before you go. I promise you, the Holy Spirit will work it all out for you. And you'll leave happy. Okay. The second qualifying statement that I want to make is this. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. Because I don't want you to hear part of it. I want you to hear all of it. I believe that thrust is very important. Without thrust, without that pilot pushing down on those handles, that plane's not going forward. It's not taking off. That, that, that wave of emotion that the Good Samaritan feels in that moment where he's moved with compassion to do something, it, it is the key catalyst there. My heart breaks for what has happened in our nation, but I am, I am thrilled 
that finally something has taken place that has caused thrust on the topic of all being created equal, of all being created in God's image. and being endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Isn't that what it says in the Declaration of Independence? Isn't that what even more clearly it says in the Word of God? There was a march that happened in Orlando earlier this week that a number of our staff participated in. Had I been in Orlando, I would have been in that march. I am, I, am, I am with you in any peaceful protest, and I'll even go a step further. For those that have gone from, from peaceful protest to protests that aren't peaceful, you know what? There's an element of that. It, it, it is, I understand the price of their pain. And when you've, when you've faced injustice for far too long. A human response has to be expected. But listen very carefully what I'm about to tell you. It's it's important that we understand this. It's important that we understand this because it's important that we understand the role that the church needs to play in this truly historic moment. What does God say? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. You see, friends, if, if that pilot this afternoon, when I get on that plane, if he mashes down the, the, the handles of that throttle and there's all this thrust, but there is no lift, what's going to happen is this. That plane's going to hit the runway. It's going it's it's to go off into the, into the grass, and it's eventually going to hit a pond here in Orlando, and I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. There has to be lift. That's the four elements of flight. There's gravity or weight. There's drag. There's thrust. And there's lift. Okay? The engineers in the crowd, am I correct? And here's the fascinating thing about lift that most of us don't know. But when a a plane takes off, it's not riding on the wind below it. It's actually being pulled up from above. It's the wind going over the wing. It creates a difference in in air pressure that actually causes the plane to be lifted up from above. And in your life right now, what you have is you have these two competing forces. You have gravity and you have lift. And... What determines whether or not that gravity wins or the lift wins is the amount of drag and the amount of thrust. We as a church have to step into this moment. We also have to understand that it is only, it is only as we embrace who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. That true, meaningful change can happen in our life, 
in our family, in our business, in our school, in our, in, in, in our work, workplace, in our city, in our nation, in our world. See, what we so desperately need is lift. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray. By the way, we're okay with humbling ourselves a little bit. We're, we're, we're willing to pray for a moment. Here, here's, here's where it gets a little dicey. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That idea of seeking God's face and turning from our wicked ways, that involves engagement, that involves activity. That, that speaks to how I live my life. That speaks to the activities of my day. The interactions that I have with the people around me. It is, it is my hope and my prayer that the church get this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spider web for a moment if you'll allow me. Probably one of the most difficult decisions, no, I'd have to say it is, the, the most difficult decision that, I, that I've had to make in my life, I, I had to make here just recently. And it was, it was the, the decision to shift in my ministry assignment. Now, the overwhelming majority of you that are here, you, you're, you're aware of this, there are some that, you, Possibly you still have not, have not heard. Um, but it was the decision to, to say yes to God that I, would, that I would step away from my responsibilities as the lead pastor here at Calvary to where I could give uh, full-time attention to the ministry directives of Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope feeds 320,000 children every day with a goal to quickly get to a million children every day. You know why they do that? Because 16,000 children will die of starvation today. Think about that. As a nation, we take food and turn it into fuel and put it in our cars and 16,000 children will die of starvation today. Worldwide, 5,000 children will die today that they could have survived, and not just survived, been healthy if they were simply given Pedialyte. The plight of the poor and suffering It is a cry that I have felt my entire life. It's a, it's a reality that on some level that I, 
that I experienced as a teenager growing up when, after my father died and my family lost everything and we were destitute poor. I have experienced the scourge of abuse. Sometimes people notice that I walk with a limp and, and a major factor in that is the beatings that I took as a child. My stepfather hospitalized me four times, tried to kill me three times. And I realized that that something has to be done. And and, and I reached the point as a pastor, I I knew this, that, that it was no longer simply enough for me to raise money and send a check. That I had to be, I had to be overtly involved in, in ending this thing that is starvation. In, in responding to to the needs around us. I wish I could could share with you some of the things that are happening around the world. Some of the sensitivities don't allow me to do so. Let me me share one and and try to share it in such a way that that I don't violate any privacy issues, but just share with you the significance of the moment. I want you to imagine what happens around the world Where, where young girls have been pulled from their homelands, taken to another country, even taken to another continent. And they're trafficked. For the sole purpose of having their bodies sold to whoever wants to do whatever they want to do over the course of a few moments. But you imagine the, the individuals who do that, who, who buy these women cheap and set them up in the, in, the, in, the, in the seedy parts of their town. And then we have this global pandemic And these, these tourists that would come and pay a few dollars to spend a few moments with these women, they, they stopped coming. At that point, how valuable are these girls to, to their, for lack of a better term, their handlers? And around the world, they're being pushed out on the streets by the thousands. And they're starving. And it's our job to respond. Now, it's easy in that moment to go, I've got my own problems, I've got my own issues. 
It's easy for the, for the gravitational pull of life and, and for, for our own drag to keep us from engaging. Oh, there's, there's all kinds of easy ways to rationalize and excuse the priest and the Levite for not stopping. For the Samaritan, he must do something. He's moved by compassion. And for me, let me say this. I cannot sit idly by. I cannot sit idly by and watch watch people needlessly suffer whether it be children in our starvation or young girls that are being trafficked. Or my friends, neighbors, and if you'll afford me this because it's reality, even members of my family that are being pressured, harassed, marginalized, simply because of the color of their skin. I cannot sit idly by. And if the church is gonna be the church that it's called to be, it cannot sit idly by either. If the church doesn't lean into this moment, let me tell you what's going to happen. All this thrust, all this activity, all this protest, all this marching, it's going to go down the runway and into the grass and into the pond. Understand, listen to me. I'm not speaking negatively against the thrust. I think it's important. I think it's valid. I think it's needed. But thrust without lift gets you nowhere. And what, what causes the lift to happen? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. If the church doesn't recognize the thrust in this moment, how will history view us? Oh, But if we acknowledge the culture, tradition, ignorance, that is gravitational pull that keeps us down, if, if, we, if we recognize the, the drag, the, the personal things in our life that, that keep us from going forward and recognizing that and, and dealing with it, We seize on the thrust that this moment provides. What you can be confident is this, is God always does his part. Okay? 
The Holy Spirit is always there. The Holy Spirit is always working. That lift, friend, it's available to you today. It's available to us today. My prayer is this, is that in 2020, the church, that the church doesn't miss the moment. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.